you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, hey, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. It's Oliver Banks here, and this is episode 17. Now, before we get right into this, I have to mention, this is a continuation of episode 16. So if you've not already listened to that episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that one first. So we're going to be rejoining the conversation with Natalie Berg and Maya Knights, the authors of the brilliant, brilliant book, Amazon, how the world's most relentless retailer will continue to revolutionise commerce. I wanted to read you just a little bit. This is from directly from the book. Okay, here we go. The urgency for retailers to reinvent the physical space will be reinforced as more categories move online. Shoppers can literally buy anything online today and thanks to Prime, usually have it delivered the very next day. Amazon has taken every effort out of shopping. In the future, this will go one step further as certain household products move towards simplified and auto-replenishment. As our homes get smarter, shoppers' lives will get easier. The average adult currently makes a whopping 35,000 decisions every day. But the future of our connected homes will do all of the low-level mundane reordering of household products, freeing up time to focus on more enjoyable tasks. Shoppers will no longer have to traipse down supermarket aisles when they run out of bleach or toilet paper. They will spend less of their valuable time buying the essentials. And we believe the impact on the physical store will be immense. Retailers today should be rethinking store layout, trip drivers and the broader purpose of the store. In the future, we will see a greater divergence between functional and fun shopping. No one does functional like Amazon. So competitors must focus on the fun element. This book, Amazon, is a great read. And if you're like me, you'll probably find yourself quoting some of the stats and facts, and you'll probably end up recommending it to your team, your colleagues, and your friends. However, I've got a chance for you to win a copy. Now, I'm buying three copies of the book, Amazon, and I want to give them to you as a way of saying thank you for listening. And for all of the positive messages that you're sending me about the podcast, it's great to hear and a real motivator for me. So thank you for that. Now, there are three copies up for grabs in this giveaway, but this opportunity won't be around forever. In fact, the competition will close one week after this goes live. That's midnight on the 25th of February, 2019. So if you're listening after that date, I'm sorry, you've missed the boat on this particular one. But if you're still in time, all you need to do to enter is go to obandco.uk slash Amazon book. obandco.uk slash Amazon book. So last time in part one, just as a bit of a refresher, we spoke about when and why Natalie and Maya wanted to explore Amazon as a company more, whether, whether the thoughts behind the book came from. You heard about Amazon's relentless dissatisfaction with the status quo and how that drives them to make change. 
As a result, we spoke about some of the examples of the different things that Amazon do versus how other companies operate. And we took a look at the future of innovation at Amazon. So as we dive into this part of the interview, we're going to jump straight in. And I've just asked Natalie a question. What is it that other retailers should take from Amazon? And how should they look to change how they are running their business? Let's get into it. Yeah, well, I think the the number one rule in retail right now is that you can't beat Amazon on their own terms. <laughs> um, you know, as we've discussed throughout the podcast, they play by their own set of rules. You know, right from the very beginning, when they convinced their first uh, shareholders in a growth over profit strategy, um, and of course, you have to acknowledge that the playing field has has never been level because they they pay a lot less tax um, than their bricks and mortar retailers. So with that said, I think retailers can still learn a lot from Amazon. Um, And I think that, you know, we hear the phrase, the Amazon effect, and we immediately think of all the negative stuff. We think of the doom and gloom, stores closing, retailers going bankrupt, job losses. And and yes, you have to acknowledge that that is happening and and Amazon is partly to blame. Um, There are a lot of other issues impacting the high street as well, which of course we won't get into here. But the shift to online spending has had a huge, huge impact because, you know, as we spend more online, we'll need fewer stores. Um, I keep saying, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, it's really just about following the customer. Um, and it's, of course, it's very, very sad to see, uh, you know, job losses associated with these, these closures. But retailers are, are, you know, they're going through a huge and quite a painful transition right now. And um, I, think, I think we do need to brace ourselves for more, more short-term pain as well. Um, that said, <laughs> that's that's the the negative stuff out of the way. Um, <laughs> moving on to the positive stuff, <laughs> the positive side of things. Um, you know, I I think that Amazon has actually been a force for good in a lot of ways. I think that they have made the retail sector raise its bar. They've stamped out complacency. You know, we've said time and time again that they're not killing retail; they're killing mediocre retail. And that's, you know, you could argue that's not such a bad thing for customers um, because as shoppers today, we have a a far superior experience when we shop because Mm. because Amazon exists. You know, Maya kind of touched on some of the points of how retailers are are responding to Amazon. I think what we're seeing is that retailers are either um, keeping up with or distancing themselves from Amazon. So in terms of how you can keep up with Amazon... Well, you can't out Amazon, Amazon, as we've said, but Tesco's rolling out same day delivery nationwide and, and looking globally, you know, Walmart is delivering groceries and, and Waitrose is doing this as well, uh, delivering groceries directly to your fridge. <laughs> um, a number of retailers uh, are, are stripping out checkouts. They're, they're aiming to, you know, emulate the Amazon Go experience from their stores got more collaboration with Carrefour and Google, which I think Maya touched on, Kroger and Microsoft. Ocado has finally secured a whole string of international deals because when Amazon bought Whole Foods, what happened was they they stimulated demand for online grocery. Sure. Tons and tons of examples from around the world of how the customer experience is improving because of Amazon. And it starts to get everything moving then. It's that having a more competitive marketplace ultimately means that everyone has to focus on, on customers. People vote with their feet at the end of the day. And if you're offering a brilliant experience, a brilliant uh, shopping trip, excellent products, great prices, all these quite simple, quite obvious things, customers recognize that and that's what they vote for. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you do, you have to acknowledge that, you know, Amazon has had these competitive advantages that, that you know, they've created this ecosystem that is just very sticky and very, very difficult to replicate. Um, they're so much more than a retailer. And also Amazon has embedded themselves in the customer's home, the physical home um, and the customer's life, unlike any other retailer. So, you know, Maya's talked about Alexa and, and Echo devices in our homes. I mean, my kids are growing up thinking it's totally normal to talk to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, there's this whole generation coming, you know, where, where people are just going to, you know, looking to Amazon. I think Amazon is, you know, they're powering our homes. They're learning a lot about us as shoppers in the process. And increasingly, I think consumers are willing to sacrifice a little bit of privacy for the sake of convenience. Yeah. And I guess the new generations coming up are going to be even more familiar with with that whole trade-off yeah absolutely and you know maya talked about um how you know amazon bought ring the smart doorbell company last year and and that's another sort of spoke on the flywheel it's another another way to strengthen their ecosystem because they're moving into so many different sectors you know healthcare banking in the u.s grocery fashion home security and I think what's really interesting, you know, you might, as an outsider, it might seem every week Amazon seems to be just trying to disrupt a new sector. And you think, well, at what point is, you know, are they spreading themselves too thin? I think mm-hmm. as a brand, Amazon has is pretty elastic. And I think that they've they've established trust with consumers in a way that unlike probably any other retailer on, on a global level, and, and that's enabling them to to translate what they've, they've established into other sectors. So and I just think, I think at some point, I guess sort of moving on to kind of future challenges, I think, it, you know, government scrutiny is a big one. Um, but also, I think that we might be getting closer to peak Amazon. I think that, you know, there will be backlash at some point. If you think about our home, as mentioned, we've got Echo devices listening to us. You've got your dash replenishment buttons, you know, and all these devices seamlessly funnel purchases back onto Amazon's platform. So again, it's just another way another sort of demonstration of them becoming more and more powerful uh, and more and more influential. And if Amazon's delivering our groceries every week, we are banking with Amazon, I think at some point consumers will say, okay, enough's enough. This is a little bit too pervasive for us now. It's not too dissimilar to what we saw with Tesco and Sainsbury's and, you know, sort of 15 years ago when they stretched their brands, moved into banking, entertainment, various other sectors, and, and look where they are now. Uh, we've seen this big retrenchment and, and they're focusing on the core grocery offering. So I think it is cyclical and, and I think it will happen at some point. I think we're a long way from it, though. I think Amazon still has a, a long way to go before it reaches that point. I, I think it's interesting, you know, talking about the ecosystem and, and in the book, you go into how they've managed to build this ecosystem up and food really begins to play at the center of that. And along with all of their tech-enabled devices, Alexa, and so on, it really forms quite a, quite a stronghold. And if you, the listener, are interested in getting into that, then again, please do go and pick up a copy of Amazon. It's, it's an incredible read, so make sure you do that. So can I, can I just read a little from the book? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. It's only a very short little extract, but it, it leads us on to a really interesting topic. Winning in retail today means excelling where Amazon cannot and therefore focusing less on product and more on experience, services, and expertise. And then you introduce the concept of what Amazon can't do. So 
tell me a bit more about about what Amazon can't do. What is what is that concept? I think it leads nicely from what Natalie was saying about reaching peak Amazon and what we look to Amazon for at the moment as it strategy clearly demonstrates it wants to embed ourselves in every part of its life. The largest category in in, in, in all of retail is food. It sounds obvious when you think, yes, we buy more of stuff that we eat than anything else. And it makes sense that in terms of wanting to know about our habits as customers and our lives and build better products as a result, Amazon needed to move into food and needed to move into bricks and mortar to support that to get the frequency. And that's part of why we're seeing digitally native, digital first, online only brands also following that lead and wanting to see the customer from a bricks and mortar perspective as well. But I really think when it comes to what Amazon can't do, it's it's kind of plowed this furrow, going down this strategic route, and it's actually taking on a very functional aspect in terms of functional role in our retail lives as consumers. In, in removing as much friction as they can, I think they've left quite a lot of headroom for introducing more fun, which I think goes back to the extract you read from when we talk about um, experiential retail having a resurgence. Again, it's it's focused on the customer. It's focused on what will make the shopping experience more pleasurable for the customer as opposed to just making it convenient and easy. We want that we now, our expectations are now raised so much that we actually want to have a good experience, not just a functional and fun experience. And I always call out here the fact that you can put a search term in on Amazon, albeit the most popular shopping search engine in the world, and it will guarantee to give you 20,000 results and it will require you to go through a massive list of filters to find the right thing. Now, they might be able to use voice and new store formats like Amazon Go to remove friction just as they did with their one-click patent, um, checkout patent all those years ago. That expired in 2017. But at the same time, they do make it in, in selling everything and focusing so much on how they sell it. I think there's a twofold opportunity. The one I've already talked about is focusing on the fun aspect of how you sell what you sell, making that experience pleasurable and one you want to share and talk about to your friends and recommend. And then also focusing on a really well curated range of products that doesn't give you everything, but takes you more easily, more quickly to the products that you're looking for and giving you more information, more more curated content about those products so that you can find out more about their provenance. I think there is definitely room in those two areas that Amazon has left for other retailers to explore. And actually, it, it goes back to the core of what retailing is. It's to be a merchant, it's to know who your customers are, it's to give them their best experience, and it's to curate the best range for, for the customers that you know. So I think there's a lot that retailers can exploit from what Amazon can't do. Just to add to what Maya's already said, um, I, you know, I think that we say in this in the book that Amazon is great for buying, it's great for purchasing, but pretty awful when it comes to shopping. <laughs> you make this uh, the reference of Amazon very functional, but not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. And I think in the future, we will see a divergence between functional and fun shopping. And the functional side is going to become even more functional as Amazon looks to things like auto replenishment and this idea that in the future, we'll spend less time buying the essentials, the, the boring, but the boring but essential stuff. Um, and that will free up time. And it just happens. No one, no one enjoys buying toilet roll, for example, right? Exactly, exactly. And if it can be automatically, you know, replenished, and you don't have to make that trip to the store, then, you know, saves you time. And and I think that that's an important point about time. It's I think in the future, retailers have to either save you time or enhance your time. Yeah. Uh, and I think they, there is an opportunity for bricks and mortar retailers to enhance time to focus on the things that can't be done online. Um, and you know, we talk a lot about the store of the future we, as not just a place to buy stuff. It's, you know, we know we all know now it has to go beyond product because you can buy literally anything online now. Um, and if you buy it on Amazon, it turns up the next day or the same day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think just just in a nutshell, I think because Maya's really explained this, I think, um, in great detail. But we think that the store of the future won't just be a place to buy, but it'll be a place to eat, to work, to play, to discover and learn. And even a place to borrow stuff, I think we'll see the rise in rental retail in the future. But in summary, you know, retail space will be less about retail in the future. That's fascinating. So I have to ask, thinking about, you know, retailers, who else is catching your eye? Who, you know, other than Amazon, who else is, is exciting you in the marketplace today? Um, so I think the direct comparison has to be from China with Alibaba and JD.com. Sure, they're huge, aren't they? They're absolutely vast. Uh, JD.com has quite mature drone program as well. Um, if you look at some of the trade deals and uh, in terms of trade routes um, that, that Alibaba is trying to open up, building consortiums with large freight and shipping companies so that it can open up its a direct route, um, rapid route to the States, um, it's definitely shown its hand in wanting to um, expand overseas. Whereas I think Amazon, uh, it's broken into sort of Singapore and areas like that, but it's still very much focused on its building out its flywheel and its core markets and then rolling that out slowly internationally and focusing on urban areas. I think Alibaba is going to do something similar, but it definitely has its sights on the US. Now, after China, it's soon going to be the second biggest consumer spending market. So the fact that Alibaba and JD come from what's going to be the largest consumer market in the world should really, I think, you know, sound some alarm bells for, for Amazon from a competitive standpoint. But that's really predicated on the fact that they're technology companies and they also resell their technology to other retailers and other businesses like Amazon. So that's the point of comparison there. In terms of other retailers that are doing the stuff that what uh, the stuff that Amazon can't do, I think as we've referred to them playing catch up by partnering with large technology firms. I don't know if um, Natalie, you want to come in on the sort of the fun merchant curation aspect of, of what retailers that uh, are looking to compete with Amazon are, are really exploiting at the moment. But Yeah, I suppose um, it's always good to look at what's happening with the department store space um, on both sides of the Atlantic, both here in the UK and in the US. Um, there's a lot of innovation, um, mainly because I think department stores are the most at-risk bricks and mortar format right now. Um, very, very big stores. You know, here in the UK, a lot of them are tethered to long leases, so they, they don't even have the option of sort of shutting them overnight, even if they wanted to. And this idea of under one roof shopping is 
you know, it doesn't exist anymore, not for a bricks and mortar retailer, because you can buy millions of products from Amazon and they turn up the next day. <laughs> so Amazon's really killed that under idea of under one roof shopping. Um, so it's got to be about, as we said, more than just product and really, really interesting examples of how, you know, these department store chains are, are trying to reinvent the physical space and, you know, give shoppers a reason to come through their doors. So, uh, you know, whether that's putting gyms in your stores or teaming up with digitally native brands that are now looking to make that leap into the physical space. You know, that, that provides a great point of differentiation. Um, I think the problem is it's there's a sea of sameness at the moment, you know, same merchandise, similar stores uh, and products that can be bought online in a more convenient or, or possibly in it cheaper as well. So I think it's really about how do you differentiate? How do you ensure uh, that you're still relevant to a shopper that whose expectations have just gone through the roof? So yeah, lots of interesting experimentation there. And I think, you know, retailers that are doing well, you know, everyone's having a hard time at the moment. But if you look at retailers that are doing well, they there are some common traits. So agility is a big one. <laughs> um, agility over scale, I'd say. Um, but also, you know, retailers that have recognized that you know what, you need a really clear idea of your target customer now. Being all things to all people is just no longer an option. And also... It's so essential, isn't it? To, to have that target customer in mind and focus relentlessly on them and on their challenges, what they, you know, what excites them, what causes them pain and, 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 and hassle. Exactly. It's such an important point that so many retailers can really go after. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Amazon is probably the only retailer that can get away with being all things to all people. You know, they are the everything store. And as Maya said, it's it's how they sell everything. And and I think that it's for other retailers, there there's definitely, you know, an, an opportunity to hone in on hone in on your strengths, hone in on your target customer. And for some retailers, that's you know, easier said than done. If you look at, you know, not to to call out particular retailers, but there's some, you know, very well known department stores, again, I'll go back to the department store channel, um, who have just, you know, they've, they've, they, they haven't been particularly good at, at honing in on that target customer. And if you think in clothing and fashion in particular, uh, you know, we're spending less on clothes. Uh, the market is contracting and it's very crowded and very competitive. There's, you know, new entrants, you've got fast fashion chains online only re retailers who are also having some problems of their own. And I think some of the Perhaps underreported uh, costs of uh, selling clothes online are now starting to uh, starting to see some cracks there. But nonetheless, you know, I think there's there's a lot happening in the sector. There's a lot of challenges, and I think that retailers can learn from Amazon either by you know keeping up with with Amazon, as we've said, around delivery, cutting out friction, and the uh, improving the customer experience, but also distancing themselves from Amazon and and providing those experiences an in-store experience that is really compelling, really memorable. And, and again, something that, that you can't get just by, you know, Amazon priming it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a, a great place to actually wrap up this interview. It's been absolutely fascinating. We've gone in so many different directions. I'm sure our listeners will be wanting to rewind and take another listen. Let me tell you, they should definitely go and pick up a, uh, a copy of the book. It's absolutely brilliant. So, Natalie, Maya, thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating. Congratulations once again on the book. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks, Ollie. It's been a pleasure and uh, really enjoy the conversation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Ollie. It's been great speaking with you and Natalie. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks very much. 
So that was the brilliant interview with Natalie Berg and Maya Knights, the authors of the fantastic book Amazon. So if you want to find out more about Natalie Berg, the best place to go is nbkretail.com. And you can also find her on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Natalie underscore Berg. Meanwhile, you can find Maya Knights on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Mazza Knights. So if you want to easily find all of that contact information, head over to the show notes. This episode is at obandco.uk slash 17. Now I mentioned earlier about that competition, that giveaway with three copies of the Amazon book. So if you want to do that, if you want to find out more, if you want to really understand all of the hard work and research that Natalie and Maya have put in to that book, you should head over to obandco.uk slash Amazon book. obandco.uk slash Amazon book. But before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to check, are we connected on LinkedIn? We really should be. Please can you search for me, Oliver Banks, and please connect and mention that you're listening to the podcast. It's always great to connect with people like you. And I do hope you will join me next week for a dive into the world of experiential retail and how you can decide what the best option is for your retail business. Experiential retail is, of course, one of the big trends at present. And of course, we heard it here today. You've got to focus on the fun of retail. However, it is also a brilliant way of burning money and confusing your customers, which, of course, you don't really want to do. So hit subscribe on your podcast player and I'll look forward to catching up with you on the next episode. Have a great week. 